And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 291 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Megan. And joining us, special guest, Joe Ciano. I Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Hi, what Joe. was that, Meg? Hey, Meg. I was just going to say, um, I guess it's Anne Megan. I don't know. It's been a minute since I've done this too, apparently. <laughs> so say we all. Um <laughs> I, I literally, ha- literally have not touched my setup in a month. Um, new record for me. I am unlike, I am like unto, there we go, like unto a baby bird falling out of the nest again. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to let that sit awkwardly. I'm sorry. I can't. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever, whatever that image does for you, that's between you <laughs> and your therapist. <laughs> I do see her soon. Joe, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh my gosh, please. I'm excited to talk to you guys. So uh, thank you for having me. Well, first, first question we ask everybody, how did you get into either broadly nerdy stuff? And I'm going to count all the sports memorabilia I see behind you. I feel like (laughs) that's fair too. Sports is actually, it's, it's a very like, they don't want to pretend they're nerdy, but like anyone who has sports memorabilia is like secretly I mean, like a nerd. They want they you, want to pretend they're not, but they are. If you can quote ERAs, you can quote Pokemon stats. It's the same part of the brain. Uh, I actually <laughs> do fair. both, so that's that's fair. Nailed me right there. <laughs> or uh, or more specifically, into into comics as a fan. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess uh, nerdy stuff and comics as a fan, I feel like are like the same kind of gateway for me. Uh, it all starts with my uh, beloved childhood cartoons of both uh, G.I. Joe uh, and X-Men. Uh, those nice. were actually both like my gateways into like each fandom, but also into comics because, you know, uh, those shows had certainly great episodes, but uh, G.I. Joe had really teetered out by like the early 90s when I got into it. Um, and I had a burning desire for uh, more X-Men than I was getting from my local, you know, Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> so both of those were kind of my gateways into uh, comics when I discovered, you know, the Marvel comics of each one. Um, and I kind of been off to the races, like, since then. That's Hold awesome. G.I. Joe is Marvel? Yeah, they were published for a long, long time, from 1982 to 1994. Uh, G. Uh, Marvel had the G.I. Joe license, and uh, Larry Hama has, like, a very, like, renowned and excellent run um, on that book. And it's very cool because as the comic goes on, he has to constantly incorporate the changes in the toys. <laughs> you know, all, all, the, all the costumes, like, like Snake Eyes goes through like five different outfit changes, I think, throughout the book to accommodate what his new toy looks like. And uh, so do all the other characters. Uh, so it's kind of fun in that way. And that like each like issue is kind of like a time period of what the franchise looked like and like the vibe they were going for. That is so cool. 
it's a great run it's legitimately like a really cool run it, it ends kind of abruptly when the toy line ends uh but you get one of like the most beautiful and kind of neat issues of comics uh for the finale issue which is cool all right not gonna check it out but very cool <laughs> not a fan of gi joe sorry but no it's okay I, that's that's really cool i did not realize it was I'm, apparently i think it was like the best selling comic for a period of time in the 80s as well i believe it yeah i was about to say that doesn't surprise me i mean hama still writes gi joe i don't know if he's on it right now but i have friends who read it who are like he did this silent snake eyes issue with a new snake eyes and it's fantastic and yeah i think he's still he did like a continuation from where his run would have ended with the marvel run so it actually like when idw relaunched it it was like actually like what well, they relaunched like 156 picking up from where okay, like cool. the Marvel run ended off which is kind of neat um i haven't checked out a lot of it to be honest with you um but i for the most part fans of his stuff seem to really dig it so i'm happy that it's like a seemingly like a good continuation of uh, that style and he's got i think a new wolverine book coming up yes i think he does too um i don't know if that's like, part of the the deaths of wolverine if he's involved in that or where that's i think from. it's I think it's one of those like adjacent, we want as many X-Men books as possible, but here, what story do you want to tell kind okay. of book? Sort like of that. like the, the X-Men Legends book is right now. It's okay. Wolverine as Patch, like pre when he first showed up in X-Men. Oh, okay. That's kind of neat. That's a yeah. neat little timeline when he's, I'm going to say like, is it that pre, is it like pre-Weapon X or like after like, you know, why he's like a Department H member? See, I don't know that. I don't know that from solicitation text. I just know okay. that it's before he shows up. That's neat, though. That's a cool. Yeah, it's a cool place in the timeline for him. But we are not here to talk about Larry Hama. We are here to talk about Children of the Woods. Yeah, I know. Oh, this is written by uh, Joe. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> uh, illustrated by Josh Hickson, with colors by Roman Stevens and letters by Hassan Atzman Elhow. How did this book come to be for you? First, what is it? And then how did it come what to be? What is Children of the Woods? That is such a fun question. Uh, Children of the Woods is like a classic style horror book. Uh, it's about a bullied boy named Quinn who finds this lost book of magic and wants to use it to change his life. Uh, but he winds up dragging him and his high school crush, Amber, uh, down this rabbit hole of secrets and dark magic uh, that is the Black Woods. And together they both kind of realize uh, that their lives, the town around them, uh, the stories of the woods are so much more than they kind of could have ever really imagined. All right. How did it, how did it come to be? How did this make it from idea to physical book that you have in your hands? Yeah. Literally, in my, literally in my hands because I got my comp copy today. So. <laughs> uh, but um, so... A lot like a this is actually days back a couple of years ago um i had been playing around for like or like or like 2015 ish um i was trying to come up with like a longer term or like a like it's like a larger project um and this kind of went through a couple iterations i think the original like kind of premise for it was a little bit more twin peaksy um with like an sure. older protagonist and that never really quite hit the vibe that i was looking for um so eventually you know i read a lot of like different horror books kind of trying to sample like okay like what exactly is the style i'm trying to do um and i really dug the adventure into fear man thing stuff from the 70s that yeah. kind of hit the uh yes exactly 
really underrated like comic that like i feel like is just aged so well um but that kind of hit the like the tone and vibe i was looking for um and around like the same time um i met josh in escape pod comics in huntington village uh which if you've never been is a beautiful shop for anyone who is like a fan of comics and comic reading um he had begun early work on what would become shanghai red uh with christopher stabella um and he was really he was looking for more work uh because he was getting like you know like script bits here and there but he was looking for something else to kind of supplement him in the meantime um and i had written what were the first 12 pages of the book and I was looking for a horror artist. Uh, so we, we did the cute business card exchange. Um, he had a self-published <laughs> book like I did um, at the shop. Um, and I bought it and I thought he was just such a great fit. He had a real kind of like grit and almost kind of like nastiness to his art that just I really dug and like really kind of like sunk into me. Uh, so we I sent him an email about a week later. Uh, a week after that, we're in a local Starbucks, and he's doing the first sketch of our monster, and he's just knocking it out of the park. Um, and we really kind of were off to the races from there. Um, we had a couple delays, um, not necessarily like story-wise, but uh, around 2017, we kind of had to wait a little bit because that's when Shanghai Red was finally picking up an image um so we're actually fun fact we of like the six chapters in the book we were about five and a half done um at the time of that break Um, oh wow yeah he i remember just getting a message from him uh like that fall of like 2017 he's like so things are picking up with shanghai so i'm just gonna crank out as much of this as i can before (laughs) we do that and he i I feel like he did like an issue and a half in like a month or something something really ridiculous like that um so shanghai came out uh we almost got picked up by a publisher in the fall of 18 early 19 um unfortunately they wound up merging with another publisher and another got laid off um so we kind of had to wait just a little bit longer because also josh had you know begun work on the plot uh for vault comics uh which is another really fabulous horror book if anyone's interested okay Uh, now the art okay i'm like man this art looks so familiar it's beautiful we talked about it this looks you guys have to i've listened to that episode you guys have talked about the plot 2020 spooktacular (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I because the other day I was like, how much of that do I actually own? Um, because I have a bad habit of like, I just bought something is killing the children volume three, because in my mind, I haven't been able to find this since it came out. It's always sold out. And then I got home and found my other copy of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now like, you have two copies. Yeah, of volume three. I, I really need to organize. But um, so, yeah, that's why I was looking at the plot the other day. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, And then New York Comic Con uh, 2019, uh, Brent, um, who would become our editor at Dark Horse, uh, came over to Josh's table. Uh, Josh did a variant cover for Tyler uh, Tyler Boss's Dead Dog's Bite, uh, which also came out through Dark Horse. Uh, Fun fact, Tyler actually does our um, cover title. Uh, He did the, um, the styling for that. Uh, so Josh had done a very cover for his book. Uh, Tyler, um, sorry, Brett saw Children of the Woods on Josh's table, uh, picked it up, uh, kind of really dug what we were, uh, you know, doing with the story. 
uh, reached out to us. Uh, we had a couple months delay because of all things COVID, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by fall 2020, uh, we were firmly entrenched with the Dark Horse. And then we were kind of off, you know, we um, assembled the rest of the creative team uh, later that fall and uh, really became, you know, really started hardcore production on the book. That's awesome. That's so cool. Thank you. So yeah, this is not your first book. If I picked up correctly, you have an, an, another book that has been in stores. Uh, no, first... this is this is my first. Um, okay. This is my first published published work uh, locally. Um, I have a web comic that I do called Tales of Happenstance with the artist Sly Crappa, um, and we you know we had it at local a few local shows. It's up on my okay. website. Uh, we self publish it. We have in a few local shops on Long Island. Uh, but I, it wouldn't be, you know, nationally, but it's not available nationally wide, uh, kind of like how this book's going to be. Uh, so this is my first published, published, you know, trademark official book. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. It's It's been a really amazing journey and it's really uh, kind of crazy to do it with uh, Dark Horse Comics, uh, which is a publisher I've like long admired and uh, wanted to work with. So, yeah. Um. Speaking of the art, like I, my roommate earlier um, was reading this while he was working on his webcomic and he was like, oh my God, I love that art. I was like, oh, let me show you the monster. He's like, I cannot like duplicate this art. It's, so <laughs> um, it's just so, yeah, like coming from Red, uh, my roommate who uh, will easily talk my ear off about any kind of art um, and I love hearing it, really loves your art. Like, it's, I will gladly yeah. pass yeah. It along to Josh. Yeah. With any other compliments you guys want to provide <laughs> for the book, and uh, definitely for Roman as well, who's coloring over Josh's art, really kind of blew my mind. Yes. The, uh, the first I, time I saw it. I am in love with the sense of light that Roman brings to the page. Just things yes. glow. How much of that was something that? something that was in your head something that was a goal or 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 josh said something that was a goal for this series to really focus on light versus something that just roman brought to the table and magic happened i that's definitely a josh question um (laughs) i'll do my best to answer it uh no i think the coloring was extraordinarily important for josh on this book uh he had actually worked with roman before on uh shanghai red and uh josh did the uh basically all the art for that including the coloring i believe roman uh, was his flattener hmm. um so they, they had worked previously before um and i know josh had a lot of scenes that he really wanted to look a certain way uh so i think there was like a fair bit of trade-off um probably between the two as far as like you know lighting and certain scenes going uh but i also know that like Roman went above and beyond, I think, what any of us were really kind of um, <laughs> hoping for. I mean, we, we, you know, we, he's absolutely phenomenally talented, but, you know, seeing some of these pages come back, uh, we were both just incredibly impressed with, uh, you know, the work that he did. Uh, especially a lot of stuff in chapter two with the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of those scenes where the lighting um, is like subtly impacts uh, a lot of the mood and intention um, in that conversation. Yeah, that house is horrifying. <laughs> Not to uh, give spoilers, but yeah, there is no safe, happy place in this. No, 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 Mr. Richards uh, does uh, <laughs> stand to clean a little bit more. Um, 
but the the disheveling was like always intended um almost like subtly so uh especially in chapter two um we really wanted to it you know it feels like a house that just is in disarray um as yeah. you know as it would be hopefully um or should be i guess for most people in that circumstance uh but you're just not entirely sure quite how until you get to the end of chapter two and i think that was a really neat kind of reveal that we did yeah no i agree it was uh i had to like like who who did this you know i was shocked with the turn i also while we are just while we were on subject of collaborators i am the kind of nerd who gets into letterers and i adore hassan's work just in general he is also on some just next level stuff here yes incredibly um like the subtle differences in fonts between entities throughout the book and the ways that those fonts change and shift as characters change and shift but then there are also these panels where he like winds tails through branches of trees and it is just the coolest shit yes i like audibly cursed like the first time i saw like the the tree weaving with um in chapter three and it just like blew my mind in a way that like i never even thought to that it could be done that way um because you know in our early drafts uh josh actually you know in our local drafts that josh and i did uh josh did the lettering and we mostly just had it as like a disembodied like you know like word bubble and stuff um, and then Asan does stuff like that, and I'm just like, holy crap, what is he doing to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and it just is the absolute coolest thing that like I've ever seen in a comic, and it just blew my mind. Um, and it just adds a layer of dimension to the narrator um, that I like. It, he, it made him as creepy and as unsettling as he was in my mind. Yeah. And it was, it's just really, really good. Um, and from a lot of the feedback we're getting, that is the page that like most people kind of like lose their shit on. Uh, <laughs> rightfully so, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I tell people like, if you really want a sneaky way to find comics that are good, especially if you don't know creative teams really well, like here is the list of letterers who I will, if they are on a book, at least try an issue. And it's like Hassan Atzman, El Howe, and Aditya Bidikar are number one and yeah. number two on that list. And I don't know which is which um, <laughs> in terms of ranking. They're just up there at the top together. But this, I mean, this holds true. Like, if if nothing else, like, it passes that test. And it passes so many other tests, too. It's so yeah. good. His font choices, uh, later on from one of the, uh, the characters, he does a merging of fonts mm-hmm. uh, for one of them um to create speech and that was just really cool because that character is such an in-between two other characters i literally it... started flipping back and forth to compare letters in different <laughs> character speech balloons <laughs> you nailed it you 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 nailed that then because um he is uh you know when he told us that trick we're like oh my god so-and-so's font looks crazy <laughs> and then he, he unveiled he unveiled the magic and josh and i are just like that's such a brilliant thing that neither one of us like would have ever thought to have like ever done. Um, but it like I, the lettering and the coloring and everything 
um, just really took this whole book to like a next level um, where like when I was getting these pages back, uh, it was almost like I was kind of seeing them again for the first time and also like seeing them for how they were always kind of meant to be. Yeah, that has to be kind of a a surreal version of process. If if I mean, I guess since this is your first book, you don't have the comparison point of being like, okay, a monthly cycle of here are some lines, here are some inks, here are some colors, here are some letters. But instead going from the whole thing basically done to let's add colors, let's add letters, that like moment of transformation. I've got to imagine this kind of terrifying one, handing it off to new people, <laughs> but two, when it works, obviously really rewarding. Uh, so the good news is Josh vouched for uh, both of them. Um, so the trepidation um, was a little less on my end. Uh, in a lot of ways, I've just uh, wanted to make sure, you know, especially Josh being the artist, he was happy with uh, the guys we were picking. Um and I kind of went to him like, I'm like, all right. Uh, so after we signed the contract, we had to get a colorist and a letter. I'm like, who do you have in mind? And he immediately said Roman and Hassan. I'm like, all right, let's go get them. Uh, and <laughs> thankfully, you know, thankfully both of them were available to come onto the project. Um, so it wasn't, as, it wasn't as horrifying as much as it was kind of like really exciting. Cool. Uh, just to see the book go to that, you know, that next level and just kind of see fresh eyes, like, you know, this artwork we had spent so much time with uh, and really see the book kind of evolve from where we had it to what it became. Um, and I forgot part two of your question, if you want. To oh, <laughs> exciting, which I think I think we covered. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So this is your story and then you brought josh on to do the art did you kind of just say generally here's the vibe i'm going for or like how in the details were you on the uh, art, actually with like like the panel descriptions and things like that yeah like i guess um was it kind of like a i trust you you can take my notes and run or were you you know in the process more than I I'm used to talking to people who do both their art and their, gotcha. and their writing. So I, this is kind of a new situation for me. It's really cool. So. Oh no, it's the collaboration process uh, between Josh and I was always kind of fun because we'd always find ways to make things a little bit more messed up than they were in the original <laughs> script, which is fun. Uh, we have some notes in the back of the graphic novel of like a few scene changes. Um, yeah which is kind of neat, fun, behind-the-scenes stuff. But as far as, like, the scripting and everything, um, I always try to not suffocate Josh with too many panels because um, I want to give him the creative freedom to lay out the page as he saw fit. Um, in doing so, I am also also told him, like, this is what I think will look good visually. Um, so I would throw in, um, like, rear angle, stuff like that. And I'd be like, this is what I think would look nice. But if you okay. have a better vision for this, like I am all ears and like very open. And I think there is like maybe I think there's only really one scene where I really pushed for one thing like visually. The rest I kind of left a lot up to Josh's discretion. Um, and as it's funny because like we kind of we did because we did one issue at a time. Um, I'd see how Josh would do his panels. Um, and like certain things, like I do like a five panel page and come back as a seven panel page because you want to throw in like a character reaction shot, uh, oh, things cool. like that. So as we worked more together, 
I feel like I more fine-tuned my scripts to what I thought Josh would do, which was really funny. So I started throwing in like reaction panel here to this, thinking that that's what Josh would do. Um, so we almost kind of got a little bit more like in sync with each other as like the project which on, went on, which was really, really fun. Um, and a lot of his um, artist vision for a lot of the scenes, I feel like really strengthened the book, uh, particularly in, um, in chapter three, uh, there's the basement scene um yeah oh yeah yeah he uh the idea we had was a little bit different uh but the josh the for um the richards uh but the way josh kind of came up with it um really kind of changed like it it changed this it changed like the outcome while keeping the spirit the same of what the original script was going for um and it's just a really great scene um and also just like you know like it's the value of listening to your collaborators um and trusting that the artist is gonna you know the artist knows kind of like what's gonna look good i mean that's that's any successful collaboration i think like coming out of theater (laughs) if you have people in the room and don't trust them to do the job why have them in the room exactly touche (laughs) um i think you you mentioned starting to adapt your scripts for his style but i've heard so many of like my favorite writers talk about finding those moments with the artists they work with over time and making sure that they are playing to each other's strengths i think that's part of the game right no absolutely um it's i think one of the coolest things of comics is you know you have this idea of how you know a scene looks in your head um and then you see somebody actually like you know do the scene um and it can look almost completely different or like it can look like it can look completely different but perfect which is such a strange feeling yeah um it's just like well i thought it's gonna look like this but this is just so much better than i could have ever envisioned uh and that's such a wild moment because you know i could do three panels thinking it's gonna you know we're gonna be you know like vertical like like you know left to right left to right left to right and they can do up down up down up down and it's just such a it's like same vibe different feeling uh but like it works perfectly (laughs) (laughs) one of the things oh sorry go ahead no i just thought i really like that saying that was a great saying (laughs) one of the things that i really dig is there is magic in the book and you don't overdo it with trying to explain all the rules and lore and history. We get really just what we need to know in like a really cool sort of 80s action movie, 80s genre movie way. <laughs> How much time did you, like, are there secrets and rules and history that you have in the back of your head, like that you could spout off oh, and, and yeah, or or is it truly like, let's keep it simple let's keep the basics basic and just focus on story how did you manage the rules of the world i guess is the succinct way to ask that oh we had like uh at least when i came up with it it's like a few basic things i didn't want to overdo it um one of my favorite lines everyone told me but like your magic system should work for you um and should fit like your magic system should work for your story you don't necessarily want to bend your story around your magic system uh because then you're just going to handcuff yourself um to like you know rules and you're going to kind of limit the possibilities of what you want to do 
Um, so everything in there, I didn't want to like exposition dump. Uh, that's something I was like really afraid of doing. Um, like the most self-conscious like part of the story for me is actually probably the opener for chapter four, um, hmm. where we kind of explore a little bit of you know our magic uh, system because I want it to feel unique and also not be like here's everything here's you know here's the rules like I, I didn't want it to feel dry I wanted it to feel yeah. organic um but also kind of interesting and let in a little bit more about the world uh so there like there are a few things that I kept off page uh but for the most part everything like you need to know is there um uh, without I think beating you over the head with it yeah no I think you balanced it really well I'm just I know there are writers out there who will come to a book like this and be like, no, I could write tales and tales across time in this world with these rules and I have these elaborate systems and like still may never show them. Yeah, um, it, was never, it was never really about the rules and the system for yeah. me as much as it was about the characters and how this magic is going to probably ruin their lives. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing reminds me of oh god i'm not gonna remember the book but it's um it's part of the joe hill imprints um we both read it carmen oh uh carmen maria machada yeah uh i was i was actually thinking about this book earlier too uh it'll hit me but it's it's got a similar vibe and probably just because i think both of them surround woods but it's also just of like a very low magic kind of feel um, with some kind of higher entity definitely taking advantage of that. But low magic, I think, is so much more successful and because and the rules are obvious, like don't do harm kind of thing. Well, you've done a harm. Okay. I, I just looked up the title. You did say the words of the title all in that it is the low, low woods. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it has, that's what, while I was reading this, that's what I kept thinking about was reading that a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the magic, I always like, um, the magic was fun, but it always, it was meant to serve the characters, not have the characters serve the magic. Um, yeah. Fair. And I think it worked more in our benefit. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is fun because I think the characters themselves don't understand the magic. Um, so the more vague we could be, I feel like the stronger it would be to like the experience. For sure. Like one of the, the thing I think that works so well about that is, and you even start to acknowledge this a little bit through narration, like you get a sense of maybe the shape this thing could take, but nobody really understands what's going on. Not even the reader. There's none of the dramatic irony of, well, the reader knows more than the characters. So you're watching the slow car crash. It's everyone's, kind of lost lost together yeah like i think that works really really well thank you yeah i think the only one who really uh, the only one who really knows everything is the narrator and he's too much of a piece of shit about it to ever tell you (laughs) yeah that's not someone you want to meet in a dark alley or a dark forest or a dark forest But yeah, he would narrate is probably my favorite character to write. He was he's such a phenomenal um string puller, uh so to speak. <laughs> uh while also uh never quite lying to you, but also never quite giving you the truth. Yeah. So yeah, the focus on 
people lying throughout this is just absolutely fascinating. And also with the narrator, just the entire first book is told like it, it could have been any other horror story, but the way that you have it told through the narrator sets such a tone that is so different from really any other horror comic I've read. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so like the fun when we first did this, um, and it's funny because our first, um, the first ever signing, um, I think we did was back in uh, 2016 Free Comic Book Day. Uh, we had the 12 page demo of um, of the book. Uh, it was just the first 12 pages. Uh, so in that, no character actually talks besides the narrator, um, which is kind of neat. So it's uh, basically uh, for reference, it's the opening page up to the monster reveal. And that's kind of our initial story and where everything else kind of grows out of. Um, so yeah, the narrator is always just kind of like telling the story and then everyone else kind of gets a chance to speak, but not quite before him. So <laughs> I love that. It, it almost gives it the flavor of like a dark fairy tale. Yes, I agree. That was cool. That's actually like, it's funny that you mentioned that because I never really thought of it that way, but that's uh, Chris Sabella, I think, mentioned that. And uh, we got a really fabulous poll quote from him and he mentioned that as well. And it's one of those things that you guys are correct, but it never hit me while I was writing that, yeah. but that's not necessarily like what like, you know, <laughs> people could look at, at, look at it as. And it's kind of neat because I always like love, I love like messed up fairy tales. Um, this is not going to be the thing that most people associate with, like, mess of fairy tales, but a, um, I'm a big fan of the anime Princess Tutu, <laughs> um, which okay. is very fairy tale inspired. And it's kind of neat that we're drawing, like, a very similar comparison. Yeah, like, I mean, fairy tales are, I mean, obviously embedded in culture, but especially, like, for roughly our age group, we grew up on Disney movies that were so based on fairy tales. And, I remember watching like Rocky and Bullwinkle in syndication and Fractured Fairy Tales and that they're just there. And I think it's easy to pull those tools without even necessarily thinking about something as, oh, I'm telling a fairy tale. Yeah. Like the idea of narration and narration that plays against what's happening on the page and how that play that, that idea of a narrator's voice is a very fairy tale thing, I think. With that, and definitely with like uh, the moral lessons that nobody, everyone <laughs> refuses to learn at the end of every. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah. it's very, very accurate. <laughs> you know what I was not thinking about. <laughs> what I love about uh, literary criticism. Yeah. Most authors I talk to are like, "Oh, that's cool. Oh, Didn't think about oh, that's that." Oh, that's new. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't going for that, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> So it's a fun moment in an in an interview too when you ask a question and people are like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so, going to say something. Go ahead. What uh, horror books uh, are you reading? I mean, I assume you love horror comics. But... I do. I, I actually, I, horror comics are my preferred medium for the genre. I think it's that, and then video games. Um, so I just actually finished the. Um, grim tales from the mad cave the uh, mad cave uh studios anthology that just came out uh, i want to say this october uh, i just read the autumnal um yes yeah it's very very neat what a delightful slow burn that comic yes. is uh with like a really 
cool ending hook that I wasn't quite expecting, but really like. It also made me really nervous to be around orange and yellow leaves. <laughs> yeah, it really made you second guess like going upstate for the fall, you know? Like, well, there's a there's a tree outside of Meg's apartment building that dropped leaves that looked exactly like those right around the oh, time the book ended. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, I feel like I, there's another uh, Bountiful Garden. Um, oh yeah, check oh, out yeah. that. I actually, found my first issue of that the other day and was like, oh, I need to actually go see it. Very fun, very fun space horror, which is yeah. uh, not a genre you see a lot of, but I certainly hope to see more of. Yeah, yeah not uh, enough. Always more. Yeah, with a great character and world design. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the last book you'll ever read uh by Colin Bunn uh also a very very fun book um that I feel like is really starting to hit its stride as well cool. uh, like I really I really feel like we're starting to see like the bigger picture for you know what the story is you know ultimately going to be about um and I'm excited for that that's awesome <laughs> yeah no I'm a big 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 horror comic person um I have all of I don't mention this but I have all of the adventure into fear man thing issues from I want to say 10 to 19 amazing um, and 19 was hard because that was the it used to not be hard to get and then howard the duck showed up in guardians of the galaxy mm. and i had to pay a little <laughs> bit more than i wanted to <laughs> but i found a copy at a good price and i was happy with that um and another really beloved horror book for me um i don't know if you guys ever read uh but marvel used to have this old magazine called vampire tales no um oh. and they they're like the first Michael Morbius stories, like right after he appears in like Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, but he's like fighting like cultists and stuff like that. And it's just really, really beautiful art. Okay. Um, and because it's like a horror magazine, they can be a little bit more graphic than, you know, the, the monthly stuff that's coming out. Uh, for the first time, I go to conventions and, you know, I'll go through the magazine bin and I find nothing. And for the first time at New York Comic Con, I, I found one. Um, and I was just like, I'm taking this home with me right now. <laughs> I'm like, so, I'm like uh, what's, your, what's your price, sir? Yeah, that's fine. I'll, yeah, just, just, just take it. Here you go. So Morbius movie. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, excited um optimistic it got actually pushed closer to my birthday um which is neat and but it's now had seven release date changes um wait what's your birthday uh the 21st of april okay so i think it got pushed to like the 28th or 29th around there um so i'm cop optimistically excited for it um i hope it's good uh he's a cool character um that i think kind of gets relegated to like a steelist spider-man villain as opposed to like a great horror character which is what like i feel like he could you know could and should be uh marvel has a ton of classic horror characters that i wish they would do more with my my going marvel movie conspiracy theory is that they are building toward midnight suns i know this is insane and will not happen but i'm convinced they would be smart too um they've got like a good back catalog uh they're gonna need to open up the universe a little bit especially with the success of like the disney plus stuff Mm -hmm. um you know you gotta why not why not dip into the horror characters you know like a little bit 
Um, it's a, I don't know if you watched the Hellstrom show. I did not. I missed it. Actually good. Actually yeah. really like really solid and really kind of made me like kind of upset. And like, cause they were going to do essentially uh, for the horror characters on Hulu, what uh, Netflix did uh, for like the street level characters. So there's going to be a Hellstrom show, a ghost Rider show and two other unannounced properties. Uh, it's going to tie into like uh, probably uh, either like a Legion of Monsters or Midnight Suns type crossover. Um, I really want to, like my, my biggest hope for the Moon Knight show, and I'm a huge Moon Knight fan. Yeah. I don't want it to be the like late 90s, early 2000s, hyper-violent street hero. I want it to be Dracula, give me my fucking money. Which I know is just an internet meme, but I want I want it to be him fighting monsters. I want him and Blade to get to team up and fight vampires together. Yeah, I I'm desperately like I feel like we've heard more for Fantastic Four than we've heard about Blade. Um, yeah, in that movie, which gives me some pause as to is this actually going to come? Uh, but yeah, I want to see commitment to their horror characters, like doing that aspect of the universe which could be like really neat and cool um and just as much as like i like like i love the marvel movies um open them up open themselves up to like different genres like mm-hmm. um you know wandavision yeah. uh the opening of some wandavision are as much horror as they are sitcom in a lot of ways yeah and oh, for sure. and and people loved it like to be fair like they were they kind of got lucky uh leading off with wandavision because i don't think that was going to be the first no, it's going to uh, be shows. I think it was going to be Falcon, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but no, WandaVision, I... WandaVision was the right move. It showed them that they, you know, uh, could be ambitious with, you know, some of these different types of shows. It was the right lead off where as much as I liked Falcon Winter Soldier, um, I don't think it was anything, you know, any of us hadn't really seen before the way WandaVision was. I have hope given what they want to do with Doctor Strange and the after credits scene in Eternals and everything else going on that if Marvel doesn't dip their toe into the horror side, that's dumb. That's just dumb <laughs> at this point. They're yeah. missing out. They're missing out on great characters and great world yeah. building. And just give me more man thing. Give me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let let Mansing and Howard the Duck team up as they did in Chip Starsky's and Co- Joe Canones's uh Howard the Duck run. Did Man Thing yeah. show up there? Do what? Did Man Thing show up there, or am I? Did I miss Man that? Thing? I think Man Thing showed up in there because there was an arc. There was an arc where, like, something came through the nexus of all reality, okay. or maybe Howard became the nexus of all reality. Man Thing definitely showed up for a couple of issues. I think it I was have in to that go run. back because I remember loving that book, and I feel like I would have popped a lot more. Um, for it if like man thing showed up so that's probably me mesmerized like me mesmerized like remembering or it could be me going. frankly it's been a few years yeah i gotta go back and reread that i have like a certain list of books that i like i'm very excited to go back and read again for like the first time in years that uh jason aaron's wolverine and the x-men is really oh, high on my list i love that book so much the best toad there's ever been yeah book the Wolverine so and Quentin. <laughs> like I've been waiting for this. I knew once I got you guys together, it'd be great. But <laughs> just like, do it. Just talk. 
Wolverine and Quentin trying to cheat at space at a space casino. Uh, Xavier, Still. Xavier nominating Quentin for class president. Yes. Oh God, that was a very special book. That made me also really fall in love with like Nick Bradshaw's art. Yeah, yeah. I spent. Um, so I'm also a really big Juggernaut fan. Uh, so when Nick Bradshaw did, he did a variant cover for uh, the miniseries, like um, I guess almost now two years ago. Yeah. Um, and I like bought that cover. That's like one of the few variant covers I went out and actively like pursued getting because <laughs> I like want to see him draw Kane for like the longest time. That's awesome. So I feel like there's a lot of not to get back to your comic or anything. But, uh, <laughs> we, 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 can, I, we can circle back. We can talk about that if you guys want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can let you guys talk comics and it, it would probably never end, but... Um, Special five-hour panelology. <laughs> <laughs> would not be the first. <laughs> no. Um, I feel like there is potential for spinoff and world-building here. Is there... Uh, do you have plans for a sequel? Oh, or... uh, we have we have ideas for a sequel. We're gonna okay. see, obviously, how you know fan reception and you know things of that nature are for this book. Uh, so, if you're listening to this and you've read it and you you want to see more, uh, let us know. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I I still have a couple ideas of you know where we could go if we want to do another uh, story in this setting. Um, nothing concrete for sure just yet uh josh is working on another number of projects as well uh so if we were going to uh we'd have to kind of wait for everyone's schedules to line back up uh but i think we're both certainly open to revisiting this world um you know if the fan interest is there cool that's good to hear no i i hope so um it's they were it was a fun world to build and explore um and i feel like we almost just really just kind of scratched the surface of it a little bit um so we kind of need to go back and explore and see what angle we want to take um for a revisit yeah i i would absolutely read more in this world this was a blast (laughs) No, it was it was so fun to make and explore and and do different things um and see kind of like what ideas kind of came to fruition um especially as we kind of built the story out and you know things like that and it was also just a really a lot of fun to make uh so josh and i are actually like very good friends uh so i we'd hang out sometimes as we were making this uh, and in a fun little fact i actually inked one of the panels uh in oh this cool book. Uh, because i was playing star wars battlefront um and josh wanted to play the level (laughs) so i passed him the control and he passed me the uh the 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 page and the inks and i'm just kind of going through amazing as as he's mowing people down as darth maul (laughs) so cool yeah i actually i have that page i i have the guy i have that page from the book uh like the original artwork uh that i inked uh so it was a really fun little story <laughs> um <laughs> that is really cool yeah it was great it was it was um the friendship that we kind of built out of this has kind of been one of my favorite aspects of it because uh, we're both um new yorkers um and we live probably about like half an hour away from each other um so i see him like probably like every couple of weeks um it's great to just kind of catch up and we talk about this you know talk about the book uh work on like pages um usually me leveling up whatever character he needs in battlefront (laughs) Uh, 
uh, it, no, it was fun. And uh, I got to see like a, I got a sneak peek at the uh, the Batman Fortnite uh, Foundation one shot he just did that came out with Scott Schneider. Oh, cool. That was fun because I think they just revealed uh, a couple weeks ago that Foundation's likeness is like The Rock. So he un- he unknowingly he unknowingly drew like The Rock in a Batman comic. <laughs> That's so cool. It was Amazing. very very it was really really funny because um, it's just like and Foundation is likeness is right by Dwayne Johnson <laughs> and I'm like oh so he just un- he unknowingly just drew The Rock because at the time the you know the character never took off the mask amazing that's incredible i love yeah, that yeah it's a fun little fact uh if you'd like and the pages i think are available for that on his um modern i think modern mythology is his uh art rep uh they also rep tyler boss and uh, a couple of other artists artists who are fabulous and have beautiful pages that's amazing i'll have to check I, that out i have not bought a page in longer than i like there you go do you have, do you have oh. a fave page that you own um can you see behind him oh alex well, is actually home how cool i am home there most of what's behind me are prints although there's a sanford them, green sketch like, yeah there's yeah, a sanford green stuff. sketch right behind me um this is also hilarious because the people listening can't see any yeah. of this nope. can't see. uh as far as original pages i've got i've got I don't buy tons and tons. I usually shoot for about one a year. I've got a page of the Azarello Cheng Wonder Woman run. That is Ooh, Neptune cool. rising out of the reflecting pool. I have one of the last physical pages that uh, Francis Manipool did before he went digital. That's this really cool, like three horizontal pages of Pa Kent opening the basement to the barn the Trinity kind of looking down through it and the Pa Kent walking up to the rocket that, oh. that Superman arrived in. Oh, I love that. That's a neat, neat page. I have the last page of the original run of Unstoppable Wasp, which is a comic I adore. Um, oh, I the first that. volume of that. I missed that book. It's so good. I also missed that character. <laughs> yeah. And then I have one, one other that is... It's, I don't know, about eight, nine years old now, the book, The Life After, um, which was, uh, Gabo was the artist, and I, uh, Josh Fielkov wrote, is about the afterlife for people who committed suicide, and Jesus's brother wakes up there and befriends Ernest Hemingway, and it's this, like, surreal what? exploration of what loss. is this what is yeah. this called and I to, where can i get called? it again <laughs> it's this? called the life after i think it was published by oni press um gabo may still have copies down. on his website otherwise i think it's out of sticky print. note and i'll I wonder if whatever. it's on comiXology yeah if not it i'll find it okay i was gonna say i, I got like, a new tablet like, coming tomorrow I say that there's no price I won't pay for cool comics. So <laughs> the uh, the page I have is Ernest Hemingway and God. Oh, shut up! You got an Ernest page. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway and God, and I'm not going to tell you what entity God inhabits in this book, but Meg is going to murder me when she reads it. <gasps> Uh, this is this there's sounds so fun. No, murder me, murder me in a good way, not murder okay. me in a bad good, way. Good murder. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, good I mean, murder. apparently, like I just spend my life murdering Alex. But if you actually play Jackbox with us, Alex murders me a lot more. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. Okay. If you don't uh, want to know what God is in, in the life after, skip forward like 15 seconds. No, no, no. He, I don't want to know. Okay. Never mind. Okay. We can all wait. We can all wait. Yeah. We can wait. Okay. okay. Um, no, I'm some so, great pages, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I, excited for you two to meet because, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just you guys have similar tastes and great taste in comics. Uh, not just because it's similar to mine, but also. Uh, <laughs> You both have similar tastes in TV shows. And so, like, we could all just spend hours talking about random shit. I'm so excited. We could all just talk about Riverdale? Yes. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Now it will yes. be a five-hour-long episode. There we go. <laughs> Welcome to our new Rivervale fan cast. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I, that was such a okay, good Okay, we'll do a side, little side tangent on Rivervale. But yes. I, they should never go back. Why, no, why why no. why would you go back this is everything that like they've wanted to do for years but i've never like had the either the courage or the excuse yeah. to do i adore riverdale i have never once described it as good until it became rivervale and it is as yes. though roberto aguirre sacasa said i just want to prove i can do like five episodes of good tv and then never do it again yeah he, it is essentially him being like all right i'm tired of you guys telling me that i like this is a terrible show look, I can make a good show. That's not really what I want to do. I just want to make some bad shit crazy stuff. And <laughs> I also, like, I am really hoping that this is the turn that we needed and that it's going to continue to stay this good. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm a little nervous because they seem to be just going back to no quote-unquote classic Riverdale. Also, new Sunday time slot for the show. Oh, interesting. Yes. Maybe, maybe though the Sunday time slot means they're going to do a spinoff and we'll have Riverdale and then we'll have Tales from the Riververse. Oh, Jeez. Oh, um, I don't know. I know that stuff that happened in Rivervale is apparently going to have repercussions. So I'm as it hoping, should, I am hoping that it's not just like a reset back to Riverdale. Like, I, I, have- I, I hope so too. Like, I was kind of hoping Sabrina would be a regular cast member because I feel like she, the rumor was she almost was at the end of season one. Uh, she was going to be in the, um, the sister's place that Polly was. She was going to oh, be yeah. Her, oh, yeah. She was well, yeah, going to be in that in Asylum. They did that anthology episode that season where, like, the, the, like... Jughead gets indebted. He has to deliver yeah. the box to Greenvale. Yeah, that's the one. Two. The, like, yeah. anthology episode with three stories in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're t- I There's a fun little alternate universe where Chilling Adventures never goes to Netflix. Um, and I feel like we get Sabrina a lot earlier um, than we would have. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot that the Netflix show did there that I don't love. I haven't finished it. I should do that. But I do I, love I got stuck comic. at season two, which is exciting because I, I still have so much more Sabrina to watch. But also I have so much more Sabrina to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, but not like I listen, I, I think Riverdale has kind of been dancing around magic, uh, the supernatural for years. And at this point, with how much of like a fever dream the show is, sometimes I'm like, just you know what, just do it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, you want to do this? We all know you want to do this. Just do it. Just be crazy. Like, do Afterlife <laughs> with Archie. Like, Please. like just just do it. Like, like no one's gonna care. You're the fan base is here. Like, they're not as much as I love the show. They're not a show that like sells to a like high school audience anymore. They haven't been that show since like midway through season two. So, like, just 
just go crazy like just be yeah. supernatural like you don't like you don't have to be confined to like the rules you set up earlier in the show because even season two is just so much different from season one uh in terms of like tone and style that like just just be crazy but like be crazy in the way you actually want to be exactly and, like like you know don't handcuff yourself um with the notion that oh we set up the magic isn't exactly real in this universe like no screw it just have it be real yeah. like I would love if they just did like anthology seasons of different universes. If they were like Archer, like, almost what Archer did. Yeah. You know, every, I thought that too. If they just like followed that model and every season, like they actually did like an afterlife with Archie season. A hundred percent. And then you go back to the, you don't have to do Archie versus Predator, but Archie versus Predator 2 <laughs> does talk about the, the multiverse. Yeah. yeah. And like we've established it. So like, Fuck it. I'm, I mean, miss. I miss the Archie horror books so much. So much. There, there was, there was one that I think was shorter lived than I wanted it to be. It wasn't in the horror line, but it would fit in with this. Jughead Time Cop. Yeah. It was about. I did not read that one. Jughead. I heard it was fun. Uh, I think Cena Grace wrote it. Jughead like broke the timeline and then got recruited by basically the time variance authority but riverdale's version to go through time fixing things that's cool. it was loki but with jughead <laughs> that's fair that's i kind of want that yeah yeah uh <laughs> okay so much fun to write an archie horror comic book like i don't know i just feel like the that absurd level of horror is where I would have a lot of fun. Yeah. And there's just there's just fun characters like you just do like not so like whatever with, but like any horror scenario is gonna be like so different from what people expect from Archie. Uh yeah. that like the conceit's always got him built in a little bit. Who who do we have to talk to to make an Archie Animorphs crossover happen? Oh see, I was going Archie's scream to stick with horror. But also because the new Scream movie's coming out. I'm just picturing a Yurk with like a Jughead beanie. I was <laughs> picturing really Moose morphing into an actual Moose. But I like I, I like your Jughead Yurk. <laughs> Visser 3 would have to have that beanie because it looks like a crown. Oh, God. Uh, so what's next? <laughs> Is there anything next? Anything you can talk about? We'll go with that. Uh, nothing I can really talk about. I am working on a story or two uh, that I'm hoping to get in development um, for a little so bit cool. later this year. No, thank you. Uh, it's still kind of in the horror vein. Um, I'm juggling between Yay. that and like a like a sci-fi project. Um, that would be like a little bit more, I guess, kind of like sci-fi horror, but like, you know, be a little bit more of like a genre change. Uh, both are going to be a little like you know kind of like departures from children of the woods a little bit uh but still i think kind of hits a lot of what i want to do with storytelling of having you know really strong character moments um and things of that nature uh so i'm excited for both uh one of them is really kind of hitting with me uh the other one i feel like i'm having to rework a little bit um a lot of coming out of children of the woods was a little bit of a struggle because I almost had to like reteach myself a lot because Children of the Woods both uh, was a fabulous but long experience. Um, and, you know, we built so much of the world years ago. I almost had to kind of reteach myself a lot about world building 
um, and a little bit kind of about like story structure um, and kind of give myself the freedom to go as short as I long as the story would need and kind of be open to that. Writing's hard, like every single time. It's so it's so fun though. Oh yeah, when it clicks, <laughs> when it clicks, it's, it's great. When it clicks, it's great, and I can't go to bed at night, and I'm up till like twelve thirty doodling away and like my notebook. <sighs> um, so I just bought the most expensive gadget that I don't need, but I'm <laughs> that's how uh, gadgets are. That's no, that's I, every it gadget really is. But it is. It's called. Um, I think it's called the Remarkable Two or something. It's a literally like digital paper from what i understand there are no wait what digital digital paper yeah so like instead of having notebooks and like it'd be one device it says everything is a pdf you can write apparently it has hand writing recognition that's like the best because like i have been researching this for weeks before i made the purchase because it's like a 500 dollars uh, so that's that's very responsible of you and uh, yeah. unlike most people i know <laughs> well no like when i first saw it if i had the the 500 at the time i probably would have been like yes now mine but um i did stop to do the research because that is a hefty price tag but it literally it doesn't even have a clock on it it is supposed to feel like it even feels like you're writing on paper so it is literally geared towards people like me who have notebooks everywhere but don't have the capacity sometimes to translate everything back into a computer yeah no i'm the same way i'm at i'm actually on my third notebook which i is quite an accomplishment for me um that's why i was going back through like my first notebook and there's like very early uh or rather late stage children of the woods notes in there that's uh, so which cool are, which is kind of fun <laughs> um and then i think if i go back through my second notebook you'll maybe you'll probably find some late stage notes early stage notes on whatever my next project might be so it's kind of cool to get like a neat lineage uh then i think there's just a lot of like stuff i may never touch ever again but that's (laughs) also part of the process um what made you choose comics i love love comics all the time always forever um like I've always kind of been drawn to the medium. There's such a like a inherent Americana to it uh, that I think has always kind of resonated with me, even as a child. Like um, I remember just going to Seven Eleven as a little kid, uh, getting a Slurpee in an X Men comic, um, <laughs> and just kind of being hooked from there. Um, as far as like a storytelling medium, I just love that you can kind of take everything at your own pace. Uh, you're allowed to really just kind of stay in the moment for as long as you want. Um, whereas I feel like in movies and TV shows, you know, the moment is there and then you're immediately, you're on to the next scene, the next cut. Um, so I kind of like that you're able to linger um, on the page for as long as you like before advancing. And you can even go back and like check things. Um, so it's a fun format and medium for storytelling. Um, I love when people start breaking it and, you know, they'll break panels or like they'll break the fourth wall um i feel like you just do it and there are so many storytelling things i think you just do in comics i don't think you can do in other mediums um and it's just they're just pretty and vibrant um (laughs) and i can just go on waxing poetically about how much i love comic books no that's Uh, awesome but there's they're just everything you know they're just like they're just cool and they're just how i like to read stories and they just entice you um they they follow you they guide the eye um they're just like a great medium and vehicle for telling stories i love that 
Yeah, no, no problem. If you want, I can, I can also give my 15 minute soliloquy on why, you know, New York Comic Con is the coolest. So <laughs> I've worked it. I, I we, we've <sighs> narrowly missed each other many years at New York Comic Con, which is very funny. I feel like I saw you at one point, but it was very early and being friends with you guys. So I was, yeah, like, I was, I was know. Ryan's like unnamed friend. I, like I knew, <laughs> yeah, I, I, if Ryan had been there, I would have stopped by. But at the time I was like, I think that's him, but I don't have the social uh graces to walk up and be like hi um and i kind of regret that to this day because i only worked it one year but i'm hoping what's everything well once yeah. we figure out our new norm with comic cons i would love to work it again i love new york comic con it was really special what's the local show for you guys is it dragon con dragon yeah. con i would love to go to dragon con dragon con is an experience <laughs> um i think it was do, kelly's do tell so- well, Kelly Sudaconic, uh, I don't know who originally described it to her this way, um, but referred to it in a panel I saw her on as a week-long party where everyone is drunk the entire time and into every kind of nerdy shit imaginable. Yeah. It is ten I mean, that city sounds great. I mean that's ten city blocks of very drunk nerds. That is that is a time and a half right there. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it as? Or it has like a very strong tabletop gaming aspect to it. It does. Um, they had just moved. I didn't go last year, and I didn't go in twenty twenty. Uh, so I guess twenty nineteen was the last year I went. Um, they had just moved into an even bigger space for gaming. Okay. Um. They had, I think the year before that, they moved the the comics and pop art alley into just a whole floor of the America's Mart building, which is normally like where buyers go to, you know, stock stuff for whatever retail stores they're shopping for. So just this huge, huge cavernous space. Um, And like the four floors below that are random merch, like dice, fursuits, everything in between. Uh, Whatever, whatever you you could need for yeah. your LARP for your LARP group. The the internet personified. Uh, <laughs> love that, love that. Um, and then, yeah, like I have moderated some panels for them before, which is always a blast. Their standards are clearly very low because Nonsense. they will let me moderate. You, are, for them. you have a fabulous voice, and as people could tell from this interview, are a great moderator. Someday someone will let me just be self-deprecating, but thank you. No. <laughs> um, I, I wound up with a panel one year with seven panelists on it, and it was the first panel that I ever moderated. And a writer and artist whom I respect a great deal walked up to me and said, hey, this is a huge panel. Have you ever done it before? And I said, yes, I got this. And I don't normally lie bald face to people. But in that case, there was no better answer. <laughs> and it went really well. I was really happy with it. Amazing. Love. Fake it until you make it, you know? Yeah. Um, the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a fun experience. It can be overwhelming. It is a lot, but it is fun. I love sensory overload in case my love of New York Comic Con doesn't make that clear enough. But um, no, it's a, it's a show I'd like to. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do C2E2. 
Oh, um, yes. San Diego. Seems, Emerald City I, is another one I'd love to do. Emerald City, I heard, is another excellent show. Uh, I'd like to eventually maybe actually do San Diego one year. Um, we'll see if maybe I, I could get that pro pass. Yeah, but. that's fair. <laughs> now, you know the one who a lot of pros absolutely love, and like every pro I've talked to about cons has been like, you need to go to this one. Which heroes one? in north carolina i think it's in charlotte josh has yes josh has been to that actually um he had a table with uh matthew rosenberg yeah um oh, and he cool. did he did a variant cover for uh as a con exclusive cover i think for four kids walking to a bank amazing yes. i love, I that, love that comic yeah if you have the trade you can actually go back and you can um you can see his cover for that show yeah. oh that's cool yeah, I'm, that's a, that's a great little book, and I'm excited for yeah, that movie, uh, which I think is in development to eventually come Hold out. Hold on. There's going to be a movie? Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. I don't think I knew that. But also, when I bought that book, the person, um, I, I bought it when I was in New York, and they were like, oh, yeah, do you know he shops at the store? And I tweeted it online and was like, oh, apparently. Uh, and he like liked it and retweeted it and stuff. I don't know. He seems like a really cool dude. I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to meet him. Uh, Matt, uh, the the writer or the artist? Because uh, both. both are actually yeah. very firm. I've met Tyler. I've never met Matt. Um, Tyler, from personal experience, is delightful and super friendly and nice. Uh, and Matt seems to be the coolest as well and also shares my love of chocolate milk um so i feel like we'd have <laughs> a lot to discuss love. which is funny i i have not been at my house much lately so i did not have the ingredients but i really wanted to make a uh, an egg cream for recording <laughs> which is basically... very billy batson of you get back in your 1940s whiz comics sir <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't knock it to you. It's, it's just fizzy chocolate milk. That's all it is. I probably would love it. I'm not knocking yeah. it. It's just just the most Billy Batson <laughs> thing I can think of. That's fair. That's fair. Um, now, I know another one of, of Matt Rosenberg's collaborators who's local down here who also says he's super, super cool. Yeah. He put Juggernaut on his X-Men team, so I have to shake his hand warmly. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Warmly. <laughs> All right. Children of the Woods, January 22nd? 26th. 26th. We've had the date move. It's okay. We've had the date. We originally the 12th. uh, We got pushed back about two weeks uh, for the comic market. And then the book market was originally going to be the 25th of January has now been pushed back to February 1st. Okay. So we've had the date move. So don't worry. That's. (laughs) Congratulations. Uh, Yeah. Please hope, thank you guys. Um, and I, I hope, hope you, you guys, celebrate that day. I hope I do too. Um, <laughs> I'm working, you know, because I'm working, but like, you know, I think once work ends, um, you know, hopefully I'll, whatever the world allows, I'll try and do, uh, which is the best way I can describe that. A nice uh, frosty <laughs> chocolate milk. Uh, I mean, that's going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner that day. You know? <laughs> three three chocolate milks uh but no, i hope to do something special maybe with like uh, my family my girlfriend um go out to a shop and find it somewhere um so that'll be a surreal moment as well because uh, i just remember being um i've been buying comics from comic shops since i've been like in middle school um i actually own we were talking about i actually own the last page of like the first book i remember like avidly buying 
which is uh, Chuck Austin's X-Men, um, issue 422, uh, with uh, Jargon on the last page watching Sammy Squidboy get taken back to Canada. Um, Amazing. Ron Garniart, which is also very funny. That is. Uh, he no longer does uh he's another one who unfortunately has transitioned away from physical arts um but that was a very i think early enough in his career uh that like most people wouldn't think or kind of would kind of forget about it uh but it's gonna be a surreal moment going from the little kid buying other people's comics to now the adult me going in there and seeing my own comic on the shelf is probably going to be one of the more magical moments of my life um so i'm kind of looking forward to it that's no, so cool. Document it. We would love to see it. You do it. I'll try and hide my tears. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> but yeah, um, but try, if anyone has any questions on the book, um, I'm on social media. I'm fairly easy to find. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and website are pretty uniform. Uh, Amazing Jay Ciano. So feel free to look me up on there. Um, and I'm so thrilled you guys enjoyed the book. Uh, you guys let me know that you guys dug it. Uh, it was really neat and special. So thank you. <laughs> it was it was cool to sit down and t- I mean, I think this is the first time we've had someone on for their first published book, which is That's really true. cool to talk about. Yeah, it's been crazy because I I listen to panelology um, while I, like I do work and stuff. So to be on the show is kind of neat and really really cool so thank you for having me thank you for being had anytime (laughs) (laughs) god Uh. all right uh how do we end one of these i'm alex i'm megan i've been joe go read comics POV. Certain POV.com.